0: Star Trek, the next generation, next Trek star. Generation next. You're listening to The Run. This is the dawning of the age of apocalypse. Age of apocalypse. On the run. Hi, hello. How are you doing? This is the Run a Comic Book podcast about comic book runs, be it characters, creators, or sagas. Right now, we are in the middle of the Age of Apocalypse saga. With me, as always, Jonathan Kovacs. I'm not How are you? with
1: you, but I'm okay. What are you doing? I'm playing Dr. Mario. Yes.
0: The podcast that sucks so much, he'd rather play a freemium (laughs) Nintendo game on his phone. That's not
1: true. And you're distracting me, so I'm going to be with you in a
2: second.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, okay. And, as always, Christopher Boyce, how are you? Uh,
2: I'm good. Just waking up a little tired, but I'm good. I'm sorry to hear that.
0: That's completely our fault we're recording this early. (sighs) Are you done with Dr. Mario? Can Can we get this going? Yeah, I'm done. So, the Age of Apocalypse. We're finally getting into the core books. All the X-Men titles have changed, as we said last episode. Uh, the first one up here is Generation X, which was only four issues in before it made the transition over to Generation Next. All these titles are pretty lazy for the most part. I understand you want to kind of keep the name similar to what the previous title was, but Generation X, Generation Next. Let's add an NET onto it, Generation Next. See, I actually
1: think that Generation Next, Next should have been the original title, and Generation X should have been the Age of Apocalypse title, because some of them are, like, more extreme, like Gambit, and the Externals. Excalibur.
0: Yeah, Excalibur isn't caliber-related for a gun. Um, Um,
1: Weapon X. I mean, the fact that they they put the X in it a lot.
0: Yeah, Weapon X makes sense, because, I mean, that's Wolverine, so that's still name recognition, because, like I said, that's... We didn't have really the internet back then, so when your Wolverine book goes away and Weapon X shows up, at least you know you're still in the ballpark of what the hell you're supposed to be reading.
1: Yeah, what I'm getting at, I just like the Generation Next as yeah. a title because I just feel like that actually, like I said, that should have been the name of the original book, I yeah. think, because it is the next generation of X-Men. It's like, the, it should have, it's like New Mutants. It's, yeah. It should have been that. But Otherwise, that was my favorite change, actually, out of all of them. I guess I'm, I
0: also guess I'm contradicting myself, saying the names are lazy, but also you need to have some type of recognition to know what the hell the title was. I don't know about you guys. I think Factor X is probably the worst one, title wise.
1: Oh yeah, easily.
0: Generation Next is my favorite book so far that I've read out of this entire
1: saga. It actually is. I think it's the the most complete side story out of all of them.
2: Um, yeah, maybe. I don't. I don't think I feel as strongly as you guys. Why is that? I don't know. It just seemed like it was kind of hard to read i wasn't really picking up on who certain characters were there was a lot of cool stuff but it reminded me that it was like trying so hard to be spawned
0: is that because of? Uh, uh well let's also get off the creators here the writer is scott lovdell and the artist is one of my all-time favorites probably in my top 10 is chris Bacello baccalo i don't think we've ever figured out how to pronounce his name correctly and i apologize for that
1: i don't think he knows how to pronounce his name correctly <laughs>
0: It, it, was it was it Piccolo's art?
2: It was definitely a lot of the art. Um, it was just the way that all the narrative boxes were formatted and the way that the sounds were used. It just looked straight up like a Spawn comic at some points, especially yeah. with like lesser-known characters.
0: Yeah, he has a very frenzy, kinetic way of drawing, especially in panels. Uh, he also has a bunch of nonsense happening in the background of his panels. For instance... You'll just have like little side characters in between the uh, like little goblins or demons yeah. in between the panels, which I guess is a creative way to show instead of just the generic uh, arrow pointing in like what direction you're supposed to be reading books like the '90s used to do.
1: Well, I enjoy that sometimes because especially there's there's instances where I've read a title and I'm like, when you get away from the standard, what left to right, up to down style you're starting to throw boxes all over the place there's been times where I've read something and I had to reread a page cuz I read it completely backwards cuz like they put boxes in certain orders and I'm like what's the order cuz there's a big splash behind it is that first or is that second is that last I- i'm fine with the fact that creative artists get creative and writers get creative with their storytelling but sometimes i really do need that arrow but i do like how he and we've had th- we had this discussion i think last time where He's a hit or miss artist for me. Sometimes I do like his art a lot. Sometimes it gets too—I don't know if it's the inker or what it is—and we'll get into this. I think my, my issue with Mark
0: that. Buckingham did inks on that.
1: Well, his work here I think is really clean, and it's what I like. And we'll get into a title later on in our run in a couple episodes where it gets, like I say, lineier, and I find a hard time. It's not as clean to me. Mm-hmm. It looks sloppy. I think. Um, I I like his art when it's more like this where it's like faces are kind of – like not all of them, but like the faces are kind of rounder. Like there's a rounder shape to certain characters. Yeah. I want to say it's a lot cleaner in my mind. Uh, His one book that he did, it was a death title for – Vertigo. Yeah. um, in the Sandman label. Yeah. Or Sandman titles. It's one of the death books. I can't think of the full title, but it's a really good – it's, again, one of his earlier works, I think – I believe it was before this or maybe around the same time, but it's the same style where, like, people have softer, rounder faces, and it just makes – in my mind, it makes it easier to read. I'm not knocking him. I just – some artists, sometimes they look just not on their gay game. And, again, I think it has to do with the inking sometimes too. But
2: The other thing I didn't really like about this story is that it was Colossus looking for Ileana again and maybe at the time this was cool but i feel like i've read that story at least five times already where it's like oh i'm concerned about iliana i'm colossus i need to find my sister blah 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 and it's just like it's getting maybe it's unfair to say because like i said this came out in 94 stories have happened afterwards where it's the same thing mm-hmm. but it just seems like the whole colossus looking out for a magic trope is getting kind of played out in my opinion
0: yeah, I was I was just about to interrupt you there and say, well, did you read those stories that were published afterwards taking that into effect? Trying to ignore all that stuff does that help at all?
2: I guess so, cuz I mean, yeah, I mean a little bit. It's just um I've been reading a lot of other X-Men lately to yeah. so, like kind of do some research for this for other characters. Mm-hmm. And a lot of like the what was it like the X Men Gold had a lot of the magic Ileana stuff. Same with like Uncanny X Men during the Schism, which I was rereading.
1: When, when this came out, she was dead in the proper books, so she'd been dead for a good couple years. So she only just recently came back. And I, I can see where you're coming from with this, Chris. But at the time, she hadn't been a main major player like she is currently in the X Men books. So fair point. You know, like you said, I agree. How you can see it is that is I I'm guess not, I'm wrong. Well, no, no, I'm not saying you're wrong. But I, I can <laughs> I can see where you're coming from. Where it's like you said, you're it's Colossus looking for his sister again, and that's been a major instant recently where it's been a Colossus all about his sister. But that's only because within the last ten or twelve years, you know, they brought her back from limbo. She's been a major player, but you know, like I said, she'd been dead in the regular books for a good couple years now. I'd have to look at the, I forget what issue that is. We, we talked about it in the last podcast, about, it, it's okay. but what I'm saying is like, I, you know, at the time I think it wasn't out of, whereas it's overplayed, it'd be considered overplayed now at the time. It wasn't.
2: That is a very fair point. Final grape with the book is that the end of issue one, they're like, she's in the, uh, the Portland furnace or whatever they called it, like the power area. And I'm just like, Oh, Hey, cool. That's where I live. And then the next issue, they're like, she's in the Seattle furnace. I was like, Fucked again by Seattle. Excellent.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think they, I think that was a, I noticed that too, uh, just an editorial fuck up or something like that. They're just, you know, all Portland's look the same. All West Coast look the same, yeah. I guess. Northwest. But yeah, because uh, in, what was it, X Men Alpha, everything was going on in Seattle, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get into the team, the team composure, the team makeup, whatever you want to call it. This one is not completely all Generation X characters. We got Chamber, Husk, Mondo, Skin. And Skin, yes. They were all from Generation X. We got, as we mentioned, Colossus. Kitty Pride is there. They're the mentors of the team. And then someone named Vincente, which I looked up, and apparently he was part of the Hellions at one point, which was the White Queens yeah, her team. team of people. Okay, is
1: that who that was? I, yeah. I'll i be honest. I wasn't research, researching it too much. <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was Cinch or Sync. not. I think it was Sync. Sync, Yeah, Whatever. But I, I wasn't sure. No, uh,
0: that, those are the only ones because Jubilees with Gambit's team. I don't know. Yeah,
1: that, and then why okay. they did that?
0: But it starts out as the regular young team of X Men that you come to know and love, either be it New Mutants or Generation X, where it's just the up and coming team that's not ready yet, but they're still training, and their training is this version of their training is like the Danger Room.
1: It's pretty extreme danger. Yeah, where Colossus is actually trying to
0: murder them within a time limit. Yeah,
1: their training is literally, they're supposed to be actually killing each other, which I thought was pretty extreme.
0: But Magneto shows up to give them a mission about uh, rescuing Ileana because they find out that they get told about Bishop and time traveling, and they try to look for a time traveler of some sort to go back and stop all this nonsense. And scanning for other time travelers, apparently Apocalypse has killed them all to make sure this doesn't happen, but Ileana somehow slip through the cracks so Colossus freaks out as you said before Chris and they go off to Portland slash Seattle to rescue them and what I really liked about this book was that have you Chris I know you have but have you ever played Mass Effect 2? No. Chris what was the best part of Mass Effect 2 in your
2: opinion? Uh, The final mission.
0: The suicide mission? Yeah. Yeah that's my favorite part, too, and this is exactly what it reminded me of. because
1: That's what it is?
0: Yeah, that's exactly what this book was. And I can applaud a book for doing that, even though it's an alternate reality and none of this will matter in a few months for them. Yeah. But you're just so used to comic book characters saving the day and everything just goes back to normal and the bad guys defeated. Whereas in this one, they rescue Iliana and in the process, Colossus gets all of his team killed except for Kitty. Yeah, And he has to live with that. The Sugar Man shows up here and doesn't really do anything. I think that's one of my only other gripes because he is one of the uh, antagonists of this book and series as well. And one of the quote unquote four survivors of the Age of Apocalypse. They made a big deal about the uh, after it ended. There was four characters. Yeah, he's one of them was uh, that came back to the main continuity. Yeah, Sugar Man was one of them, but he's barely in this at all. They make a big deal about him, but he doesn't show up until like the uh, last, last half of, of like issue three and
1: then, yeah, some of yeah. issue four. Well, it, it makes sense that he doesn't because he's the boss of the whole power plant and it, it makes, makes more sense.
0: It's or whatever.
1: Well, yeah, they're, they're, it's a power plant and makes the the way they go through it that you deal more with his underlings until you get to him type of stuff. What a weird villain.
0: That, I think that's Boccolo's design coming out to play with his art style and... Uh, just using that to create something really weird. Yeah, he's a essentially a walking head. Like, he's just a giant head. Yeah, with forearms sticking out of the side of his head and a giant tongue.
2: The first the first time... Uh, Sugar Man, I think it was one of the X-Men Legends games. I want to say Legends 2, because mm-hmm. that had to deal with Apocalypse. And he was one of the bosses. I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Like, Sugar Man? Really? He showed up in later comics as well, and I never really got to know what the character was all about other than apparently he was kind of badass despite the looks like yeah. he was a tough opponent or whatever. So it was kind of cool seeing where he comes from.
0: Yeah. He, uh, I think he died recently. I mean, take that for what it's worth, but
2: I was just about to say that, um, as our listeners may know, reading on the Marvel unlimited app. So I'm on a six month delay, the uncanny X-Men that's going on six months ago at this moment in time, they're like dealing with the age of apocalypse stuff. So getting to see like, Age of Apocalypse Glob is awesome.
1: Glob. I don't know who Glob is. Yeah, the green guy from X-Force.
2: No, he's the, the pink guy with the skeleton inside of him. Oh, oh, oh I'm right, thinking. Right, okay, right, I'm right. Sorry. okay, I'm thinking so
1: of, new, I'm
0: thinking
2: of du- Dupe. I'm sorry.
1: New uh, AOA yeah. characters. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Was that the Uncanny X-Men where it's just Wolverine and Cyclops and the rest of the X-Men are in Age of X-Men continuities that we were talking about? Yes. Yeah, okay, just- I haven't... I haven't really read any of that because I fell off after the whole Age of X Man thing because I got really disheartened by it. Although I just read the first issue of Powers of X, I think came out. Or no,
2: Powers of Ten.
1: Powers of or House yeah, of, of House House of Ten, I guess, just came out and it's actually really good. So I'm, I'm not, not going to
0: read any of that until it's done. Well, because I'm, I'm Hickman makes it. me feel like a
1: fucking idiot when I read his I'm stuff. I'm going to get. I mean, I'm I'm basically going to get all trades, but I mean we're yeah we're
0: getting <laughs> off course here. Yeah. This book is just a giant suicide mission because they break in using their powers. You know, Skin is able to make himself look different and Chamber just blends in as one of the slave workers and it seems like everything's going to plan. Their powers are working and all of a sudden it just it just completely goes to shit. They're able to rescue Ileana. The last page where it shows Colossus coming back to rescue his teammates and it shows Husk just staring at him.
2: As the door just, closes? Yeah,
0: as the door closes on him and she's getting just like, jumped by 80 million monsters or whatever like it was just a fuck you i hope you die type of look just like unforgiving yeah
1: because i mean i know they wrote it and they had to write it this way but the fact that colossus and shadowcat make it down there and mondo who was actually one of my favorite characters because i thought he was a badass the whole time like the one guard picks on a poor defenseless human and mondo literally just goes up to him and like Flicks him off the, the side of a building because he's a jerk to this girl. Yeah. It's Mo- great.
0: Mondo's a giant monster type guy that can mor- morph with the ground, essentially.
1: Yeah. So he's the one that finds Ileana. And what makes me laugh is the fact that apparently if he would h- holds her inside of him because he can for a while, but if he can't control his powers enough that he would actually start to digest her, they're saying. Yeah. But I'm like, at this point, why doesn't he just jump in the ground and like run up real fast and get her out of there? Or vice or coherently or whatever, Shadow Cat basically what ends up happening is Colossus grabs Ileana after Mondo somehow gets stabbed by Sugarman's tongue. Colossus grabs Shadow Shadowcat just phases them out of there and then they get freed. What a dick teacher. Why doesn't he just grab all the rest of the students that are free? They all just hold hands and all phase out of there.
0: I would imagine because at the time, like it was just total chaos.
1: Yeah, I know. I I, I know it, they couldn't do it for the story, you know. And I'm looking at it after the fact of, but it's just. It's
0: also, they play mission. off Mondo as an idiot. Like he talks like dumb in third, Hulk, in only third worse. Person, yeah, yeah. So he probably can't think straight for the most part. I really love this book, but there's really not much more to say other than it's just a giant suicide mission, and that's it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, and then a side note is that Sugar Man does get what he—Colossus smashes him, but he's got regenerative powers where he regenerates, but he's really small. And then on the last panel—
0: That's what that was?
1: Yeah, because on the last panel, they're sitting by a campfire, and they're about to go back to New York with Ileana to meet up with Magneto, and Sugar Man's, like, hiding in Colossus's boot.
0: Yeah, there's a—I thought that was just a weird— Boklo type of thing No, no, no no, That's actually part of his
1: powers He like regenerates But he like He shrinks and he grows He's like really small Probably should have looked this up But I believe part of his powers Is he can also like Change his size at will He's Mm -hmm. got morphing abilities Of some sort Part of it is that He just regenerates If he can quick enough I guess and, but he starts off that's he starts off small.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The last the last panel was saying is the Colossus, Ileana and Kitty are all sitting around in silence around a fire and it just zooms in behind Colossus's boot and there's just a little demon there and it just like you know, it looks like it's about to bite his toes or something and it just ends there. Is there anything else you guys wanted to mention about this book? Anything else we may have missed? Uh, I did like how there was a little bit where when they infiltrated the uh when the kids infiltrated the compound, uh, there was a second lieutenant there, or captain of the area below Sugarman, called Quistus, I believe his name is, Quietus, yeah.
2: Quietus. Quietus. He looks like a giant purple Howard Stern. Yes.
0: <laughs> Hoo-hoo, Robin. No, yeah, where he gets dispatched of pretty quickly, and Husk and Vincente have to take over his position where Husk morphs into his head. Yeah, his head and body for the most part, but Vincente fills out the rest because he's a big burly fucking guy. burly yeah. dude. Where skin or husk's power is she can make any type of skin possible, but Vincente is gaseous, so he kinda bloats her out to make her look that way. And there's a pretty good interrogation scene with Sugarman coming up where Sugar Man's just talking to him and thinking that he's acting weird and they find someone to execute and Sugarman's asking why he's not using his powers and uh it gets kinda a little dicey there for husk and vincente but they get out of it because they use the old excuse of oh he's not worthy of getting murdered by my powers or something like that and he uses a gun instead because they don't know what his powers are yeah so is he a regular character quietus yeah I in don't the next so. universe mm, okay. i do like his pinstripe suit yeah it's very used car salesman looking i really don't know much more to say this is a very all these books well not all of them but a lot of these books are pretty straightforward it's just one goal boom go that's it there's not really much hoops to jump around along the way or things you need to read elsewhere to get.
1: Some Some are more, like this one is a straight by itself. Other ones, when we get down to it, not that we, well, we will read all the titles, but some of them do intermix some characters and they do reference other issues. Yeah. Um, so you, you have some bouncing around between characters right. later on. And that can get annoying a little bit, but Otherwise, uh, I like this one especially because it is a straightforward read.
2: I really like the way that Husk and Vincenti took out Quietus. I thought that was super cool where he's beating up Husk and thinks he's awesome and he ends up, like, drinking his booze that she tells him not to and it ends up being Vincente and he, like, turns solid while inside of him and, like, explodes him. Yeah, just like that blow- was kills him cool. yeah,
0: blows him up from the inside out, yeah. yeah.
2: Let's say, and at the same time, I had no idea who Vincente was, so... I was just rolling with it.
0: Yeah, that's, that's another thing that I, you can think about that. I mean, if you like the book, some character you have no idea who it is and you actually enjoyed reading him for the little bit that he's been in it. Like, I didn't hate, yeah, I di- I didn't hate any character
1: in this book whatsoever. I
2: didn't think... like Chambers' design. But not the exploded chest? Yeah, I like the, the nuclear face.
1: Uh, see, I like the fact that in this reality they got to him before his powers blew his chest out. I thought that was cool. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, All right. I get it. I get it. It's just like, I don't know. Sometimes with like I, the, the traditional design works better than alternate designs, and sometimes not so much. I'm going to have to put Chamber with the, I like the original design better.
1: Yeah, the,
0: the that's saying, a pretty good design
1: to beat. I'm not compliment. saying the original design isn't better, but I just said I like the fact that Magneto was able to get to him before his psychic powers exploded and blew his chest cavity out. I think the fact that he was able, like I said, he was able to save him from that was a nice play on that character.
0: All right. So uh, what are we going to rate this? Uh, I give it a nine. Chris? I'm going
1: to give it a seven.
0: Seven. I'm also going to give it a nine. Like I said, I thought this was almost flawless in my opinion. Uh, yeah,
1: it's, it's probably the best of the side stories, I think.
0: You get the setup. You get the traditional setup of the X-Men training. You get a little bit of repertoire with them. They get right into their mission. And then the twist of them actually failing. Well, not failing completely, but most of the characters going by the wayside and dying, Some you wouldn't expect until usually the end end of the whole thing. Like, I expected these people to die in X-Men Omega, not... In their own book. Yeah, in their own book. Well,
1: I like the fact that at the end of the first issue, uh, whenever they're using their computer to try and scan for all the mutants with time anomaly powers, she gives them a probability of survival or or mission complete of .000000%. Like, it's literally a fail. But they actually complete the mission, but... 80% 80% of your team dies. Yeah.
0: Well, it told them right out the gate, you're all going to die. But we're so used to comic books, just never tell me the odds bullshit. Yeah. So MVP, WVP, give some thoughts about that. Who is the best character in this series and who was the your least favorite? This one's going to be tough for me.
1: Uh, I'm going to go with Husk as my favorite character. I liked how... I always liked her ability, but they changed her here where she's, more, ext- again, more extreme the one point when she, like, rips her hand off and basically turns her hand into a giant spike. Mm-hmm. Like, in the regular continuity, she always just rips her skin off and she's a rock or metal. Armored, yeah. Or she's still humanoid form. You know, here she does the one thing where she turns her hands into, like, that organic acid and she melts, starts to melt a Colossus. She turns her hand into, like... At the, at the last panel, she's basically turned her hand into, like, a gun of some sort. Yeah. You know, she's, she's learned how to use her powers to be more deadly and dangerous, I should say. Mm -hmm. Um, So she's my MVP. WVP is Colossus.
0: Why is Colossus your WVP?
1: Because he's just a – I I don't like the way – I like him as a teacher, but he just – he's almost so – I feel like he's so PTSD that he can't actually be competent in his job. And then once he finds out it's his sister, like I said, I know they wrote it this way, but he he really doesn't care about the students at all. All he cares about is his sister, Mm -hmm. which I get. But then it's just – I don't know. He's just – he's not a good – I don't think he's a great – he's a he's actually, I think, a horrible hero in this, and that's why.
0: I think that's part of the arc for him is he's supposed to be horrible because he's well, so you, pig-headed. You're right, but yeah. again uh, – He doesn't really actually care about the team that he was supposed to be leading. Yeah. Even though he, he hides it under the guise of the, the mission, but we all know it's more than just that. He doesn't care about anyone else except his sister. Chris?
2: Uh, For MVP, I was going to also say like Husk and Vincente working together. I thought that was really – Cool dynamic. Jonathan brought up all the Husk points as well. What I mostly know Husk from is oh god, I've been reading so much X Men. Uh I can't remember exactly what it is, but like she's kinda like losing control of her powers. So like she sits down and then she stands up and there's like a bunch of skin just there. Like
1: uh, Wolverine and the X Men. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was what it was. Whenever she, um, yeah, she was a teacher. Yeah. So that was the most I really knew about Husk. So like coming to this, I was like fucking awesome. Worst, I'm going to give it to Kitty Pride. I just didn't really like her at all in this. I don't like her Age of Apocalypse persona that much.
0: Yeah, she was kind of barely in this. She was in the first and last issue, essentially. She was just there to say, Hi, I'm Kitty Pride and I'm married to Colossus. And then she kind of just.
1: She was definitely. Shames Colossus. For her makeover, she was definitely the most under, least used and most under appreciated character i think because yeah. she could have been the fact that they gave her mechanical wolverine claws was pretty badass and yeah they could have made her really awesome and they did not use her at all and she does not get used at all anymore after this and it's really yeah. a shame
0: you would think that she wouldn't even need those i guess it was just a 90s look at the time because she can if everyone's killers in this you could just phase in and then just go solid on someone and that would just essentially kill them too
1: yeah i guess but i think it
0: It's just a 90s aesthetic, I think, that they just tacked on.
2: Yeah, probably. Make everyone look like Omega Red. Yeah, everyone.
0: All right, my MVP was also Husk. Uh, She had also the most screen time. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but we we got to see her the most. Panel time. Panel time, there you go. Yeah, she had the most panel time where (laughs) she was training, and then we got to see that bit with her undercover with Vincente. And then, like I said, that last panel of her sealing her fate, with uh, looking at Colossus, I thought was really powerful. I really enjoyed her as a character. way better than what Chuck Austin does later with
1: her. What, in Generation X?
0: (laughs) No, Chuck Austin writes her, brings her onto the team in Uncanny X-Men in like six or seven years, and she fucks Archangel right in front of her mom up in the sky. It's really bad. Uh, Essentially, every Chuck Austin book can just end with, and they fucked because he's really fucking horny.
2: Don't even get us started on Nightcrawler. Yeah,
0: the Draco. I don't, well, yeah, I guess that was technically a horny story, too, because that's how he was born. My original WVP was Aunt May, because I'm pretty sure Aunt May is in this. She's in the slave pits with Ileana, and she calls her May, and she looks just like. She's an old woman that looks just like Aunt oh, May. come on. There's some people in the Age of Apocalypse books that. Robbie Robertson from the Daily Bugle is in this saga. Did you know that? Where at? He's in one of the Factor X books, like Tales from the Apocalypse. It's like a side story.
1: Oh, well, there's. I mean, they have. There's the um the universe is it universe X titles we got to do that yeah that are going to deal with other heroes that are not yeah. mutant related. But I'm saying
0: Robbie Robertson.
1: Okay, well from
0: yeah. the Daily Bugle is in this series, so I'm going to say that's Aunt May. But no, for a real answer, Chris kind of. Convinced me that Kitty Pride really did suck. There was so much potential for her, and while Colossus is a jerk, at least there's a reason for it. Where Kitty Pride just is kind of, it, she just feels complete. Like if she wasn't in this series, it wouldn't have mattered. Like take all her bits out, you could have had iliana at the end, be mad at Colossus for leaving his team behind, and it would have been the same thing. So altogether, Generation Next gets an 8.3 out of 10 for us, which is a pretty good score. MVP so far for the entire saga is Husk because <laughs> we haven't had a uh, agreement on that. Well, Magneto's a runner-up from last episode, but I would say read this. You can read it on its own. You don't need too much backstory to read everything else. It's pretty fantastic on its own. And, uh, yeah, that's, let's see. We got some emails here. Uh, if you were to send a dick pic, a death threat, or just a question or comment in general, where would you send that to? <laughs>
1: therunpod the at gmail.com. Have we gotten uh, Chris? any of those three?
2: <laughs> runpod at gmail.com.
0: Um, yeah, I actually did get a dick pic. I already deleted it, though. <laughs> Some guy said, cool Rob Liefeld art, and then there was an image, and I just clicked on it. It was just someone's hog. so. I appreciate that was that was pretty good. I laughed at that one for a bit. Really hairy though. Yeah, I'd say trim it up, but it's probably not even his. And another one we got here also dick related, which was ah, jeez. It made me laugh as well. This one's from AJ. Forge can build anything, correct? Ah, crap. Well, if Forge built a fucking machine, could he build a fucking machine so powerful that it could knock the Phoenix herself into submission and save the universe?
1: I'm not even answering this question.
0: I don't know. Could he? Could he Like, no, could he do it to Doctor Doom? If Doctor Doom consented to it, and he's like, is like, you know what? We won't put up a fight if you use this fucking machine. And Doctor Doom has to admit, and Doctor Doom's like, you know what? I'll try it. Or maybe he could lie and say Richard's made it. That way he has to prove that the fucking machine Richard's made wouldn't <sighs> fuck him into uh, un- unconsciousness or something to that effect.
1: Was this guy watching your sucky Doji before you wrote this question? Um, I don't know. Chris? Um, I'm gonna say no. But.
2: I mean, I guess in theory, if you have enough energy, you could make a ma- could do anything with Forge's powers. So I mean, uh, if he had the right materials, that's a fucking lootly. Yeah.
0: Well, he could build anything, right? That's his whole that,
1: power. His technophobe or technophile—that he can build any anything. Yeah, but that depends on—I don't know. I like mean, he the- should be like the alpha
0: alpha level mutant. considering that because like he can essentially build a gun that'll kill anything.
1: Yeah, but you could also have a telepath that will just wipe him out. For everything that he can build, he has to build it, but there's always going to be a mutant that has an ability that straight up can stop him.
0: Would his fucking machine have a ponytail?
2: I'm not even answering (laughs) that question anymore.
0: What were you going to say, Chris?
2: It's like, yeah, sure, he can build anything, but if he doesn't have the materials to build it, like if if he just has, like, wood, make, like, a spaceship out of that, you know?
0: I'll see why not. He could probably seal it up with some type of weird ass glue. But
2: <laughs> like, how does he like get like the fuel and the materials and the parts that survive? Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like his power is a little OP when you put it in that sense. I feel like he has to have the materials. Like, he can make whatever, sure, but he has to have the materials in order to make it. If he had something of extreme power, and he threw it in a giant. Mc- dildo then yeah why couldn't he?
0: that would be a good one shot forge visits the dildo factory
1: (laughs) i thought we were trying to expand our readership here not uh
0: oh it's a good question it's better than what's your favorite x like someone wrote in no offense to you guy someone wrote in said what's your favorite x-men book right now it's like that's not an interesting question like i don't know We're, we're all behind we have so much to do uh i could just say wolverine's pretty good he just came back with infinity gem or whatever and it doesn't make sense but hey who cares hot claws
1: i think they already got rid of that really well cuz they got rid of charles soul they like excommunicated him because of his tyrant on Twitter they excommunicated
0: apparently. him they, they, from the they, from, they, the, from well, the church
1: no from basically from marvel they canceled his uh darth vader book that's chuck wendig no charles soul was writing that
0: chuck wendig was writing that and he got kicked off that I because he sucks soul ass no, no no
1: i thought well i thought they got rid of soul though for some Something he did on Twitter. No, that's Chuck Wendig.
2: Yeah, Charles, well, Charles Soule was doing the most recent Vader, which was like the flashback one. Yeah. Anyway.
0: But no, Chuck Wendig yeah. got kicked off. I only know this because I don't like him at all. He's an epic bacon guy.
1: Epic bacon guy?
0: Jonathan is so not online, everyone, that he doesn't get these references, and I kind of envy him for that. Yeah, epic bacon guy. You're your you're usual shitty online person that thinks bacon's still hilarious and makes rage face comics and shit like that. Oh, uh, okay. Praises Elon Musk. Those idiots. Now that's how you tank your uh, listenership.
1: Shut up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that's going to do it for this wonderful episode of Generation Next and Dildos featuring Forge. If you have an email... emails the on the end. Yeah, I, I like it. I like those <laughs> questions. I like those questions, man. It's, it's better than the usual everything-nothing type of question. Like I said, what's your favorite X-Men book right now? So
1: I'm fine with questions that ponder things, but not questions <laughs> that are like... That's... Just,
0: yeah. <laughs> You know we, we, we
1: need to start our own separate adult-oriented podcast for that type of question. <laughs> not, like I said, I, I don't know. I'm trying to get a buddy of mine from work to listen to this podcast, and I think he's going to get turned off. Oh, body. come yeah. on.
0: Yeah, okay. Just don't play it off the speaker. Use your headphones. Like we said. <laughs> yeah. I'm, not saying,
1: I'm not saying kids aren't that bad anymore. I, I don't think we were this that, their age, but I think we probably could have been. But I don't know, man.
2: I don't know.
0: What were you going to say, Chris?
2: I'd say, well, between me plugging Humpfest and the bad yeah. fan fiction and... This conversation, yeah, we have good comments.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of... Uh, I'm not saying there's not. But. There is a lot of podcasts out there, and there's even a lot of comic book podcasts out there. And let me tell you, no offense to anyone out there, a lot of them are bad. Like, I'm not saying ours is the greatest either, but a lot of them are very... Wow. Yeah, I at like, least ours doesn't uh, say
1: that Mysterio had magical powers. One podcast I know of.
0: They're just talking about toast shit. Here we are, praising the suicide mission that is Generation Next, and then talking about Forge making fucking machines with little ponytails and mustaches on them. Because every time you think about Forge, that's what you think about. And the stupid, weird robot thigh. But, like we said, if you have more questions, send them in to the RunPod at gmail.com. That is the RunPod at gmail.com. I'd like to thank Kimberly Lee for doing the art for the episode, as always. I'd like to thank myself for making the music on my crappy microphone that I had to use in a pinch. I'd like to thank Jonathan for joining us today.
1: He's regretting it, but okay. Who's red as a beet? I am not red. <laughs> That's also because it's hot up here and we don't have air conditioning.
0: Well, thanks for poor shaming me. And Christopher Boyce, as always, thank you.
1: You're welcome. <laughs>
0: and until next time. Until next time.
2: To be continued.